Welcome in to Heat Check. We are not the ordinary cast. Down Peyton Gallagher, down Kevin Millater, but we've got three of the five ordinary cast members here inside the Bill Austin Radio Studio on Blaze Radio Wednesday night, our typical spot, but 60% of the show, we're going to try to give 100% effort. It is Gabe Swartz, Riley Swenson, and Scott Sanduli, and we will be talking everything that is going on in the college basketball world. We'll also go around and preview the conference tournaments as we get into the best part of the year. It is March. This is our first show in March. And some wild stuff has already happened. Conference tournaments have already begun. There have been teams that have had their seasons ended tonight, yesterday. Some teams didn't even make it to March. Shout out Fairleigh Dickinson. <laughs> the, the only team in the country that was eliminated before March had, had begun. Um, what are you guys most excited about? What's what's kind of taken your eye this this past week? Um, I think we've already seen how. I mean, we talk about it all year how the unexpected becomes the ordinary. John Rothstein always tweets it, but in March, it like it, it's amplified. And we saw Ohio State go beat Illinois, and then they lose to Maryland, and Nebraska. It's like what? Like right when you think you know everything about college basketball, Arizona looks like oh they're going to be champions. They go lose to Colorado, and so. I think in March, it's just what's so great about it is people fill out a bracket and go, yep, uh, this is what's going to happen. Or you can sit down at a conference tournament and go, yep, it's pretty clear, you know, Duke's going to win the ACC. And then something crazy will happen and it just won't work out. But that's what makes it so great. Couldn't have said it better myself, Riley. It's it's March. Expect the unexpected. Anything happens, anything goes. And, I mean, we've already seen, I mean, on March 1st alone, sorry, Gabe, but number six, Kansas, goes down. Tough one. Wisconsin at the buzzer beating not the buzzer one second left at the beating Purdue with two straight threes off the glass and Villanova beating Providence Creighton beating UConn sheds a tear like this it's March anything happens love it man I do think it's a little bit convenient that Peyton has uh, gone down with an illness (laughs) moments after waving the white flag on game picks Uh, Providence (laughs) loses by two to Villanova shout out Providence covered the spread, hung tight against Villanova last night, uh, got Peyton to complain about end-of-game foul situations, which... A ludicrous argument. Yeah. Um, let's not play basketball late in games, I guess. is, is Let's just let the clock run out. Is, John Rothstein is, shares his opinion. What was the opinion? John Rothstein t- tweets all the time how he hates late-game delays with the fouls and stuff. That's fair, but what Peyton was saying is that you shouldn't be able to foul when you're up by three, which... If we're going to let the team that's losing foul, you have to let the team that's, that's winning, winning foul. foul. That, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think I think that there's a case to be made that you should be able to decline or play like soccer type advantage mm-hmm. if you, if it's like a fast break. But that's a completely different scenario. Yeah. Um I so okay, you Scott, you mentioned it briefly the, the Wisconsin game winner Chucky mm-hmm. Hepburn step back three uh, Purdue I, I think it's worth talking about for a moment for sure what's going on with them because one of the most talented teams in school history ends up not winning the Big Ten regular season championship six losses 24 wins so far um, all six losses come in Big Ten play so they go undefeated in a non-conference schedule but they end up empty-handed when it comes to the league race and I feel like this is kind of a it's very emblematic of what Purdue as a program has been. They've had good teams, they've had 
teams that we think could make Final Four runs. Mm-hmm. They've had teams that um, I know that this team in particular people thought for moments or briefly that they could make a national championship run. Um, and even if you can't win a national championship, winning a, a league title, especially a Power Six league title, is something that is to be celebrated. It's mm-hmm. something that pretty much every program it would be extremely excited to put up a banner in their arena. It doesn't happen super often. And I think that it would have been a welcome thing in Mackey Arena. So for this team to not end up with a even a regular season Big Ten Conference championship to put on their mantle and say, like, you know what? The 21-22 Purdue team wasn't elite, wasn't a world beater, but we won the league. That would have been something that was nice to say. But Johnny Davis hits a banked-in shot. Chucky Hepburn hits a banked-in step-back three. And it goes down. What did you guys think of, first of all, the game in, in general, and then just kind of my thoughts there as, as far as, like, of all the teams to not be able to get it done, this Purdue team, it kind of just feels like a stab in the heart for Boilermaker fans. I, under, I understand, like, where you're coming from with that. This Purdue team, it's got to be frustrating to watch as a Boilermaker fan. I mean, the number one offense in the country. I don't think that's much of a debate with... Jaden Ivey is going to be a top five pick. Zach Eady, seven foot four in the middle. Travion Williams, just a bulldozer down there. But the defense is so inconsistent, like, and it's hard to watch. In a defensive league like the Big Ten, you got to be able to play on both sides of the ball to win that league. And unfortunately for Purdue, that just hasn't happened. But I wouldn't count them out of the national championship race. I, I, they're not a favorite by any means. But if you look back at the at some recent champions. Oh wait, never mind. You were talking about how regular season winning the regular season title translates to success in March. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the conference tournament because Virginia 2019 and Baylor didn't win last year, right? No, Baylor lost to Oklahoma State in the semis. Baylor, Virginia, and 2017 North Carolina all did not win their conference tournaments. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see what Purdue can do in Indianapolis next week, but considering that they got swept by Wisconsin and you still have to account for Illinois and the Michigan States, the Ohio States, and even Rutgers, it is going to be a tough task for them to win the conference tournament because of their defensive issues. But I would say I would not count them out of the national title race. I think this is a team that has a floor of the Sweet 16 just because they score too much. Yeah, like I think there's so many teams that they just straight up will overwhelm Mm -hmm. now Scott I was going to say exactly what you said about the conference tournament thing but the one thing all those teams do have in common is they were all the number one seed in their conference tournament which Purdue will not be the one thing I didn't see when I was on my stats and research Yeah, and so to me as a Carolina fan who in the years where we got to the national championship didn't win the conference tournament in 16 we didn't win it 17 we didn't win it I don't value the conference tournament hardly at all but I what I think does matter is the regular season title. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be, I think, like Gabe said, I think it's disheartening for a fan base. I think a regular season conference championship is like something you can look back on and go, you know what, we didn't win the title. I mean, only one team wins the title. Mm-hmm. But there's 30-some teams that win conference championships each year. And a conference, if they go into Indianapolis, win the conference tournament, that's something, but it's not. Personally, I think, and I think, Overall, most people would rather win the regular season title. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the game itself, that was just the most Wisconsin way to win. It was just disgusting. <laughs> I hated every second of it. But 
you had talked about how I think there Gabe had kind of said how Purdue has a history of this and they're always a little bit underachieving. And I think they're I think there's something to be said how obviously every team is different year to year, but there's something to be said about programs with storied success, how when their teams under I think there's a reason why when Syracuse is an eleven seed, everyone knows they're gonna go to the sweet sixteen. There's a reason why Michigan State every year, whether they're a ten seed or a two seed, they're almost a lock for the sweet sixteen. Mm-hmm. And I think that Purdue has a history of I can remember I remember two well Aside from the Carson Edwards games, I think of two moments. I think of Purdue March Madness. I think of the team that lost to Arkansas Little Rock. <laughs> and I think of the team that lost to North Texas last year. And they're both mm-hmm. top four seeds and go down the first round. I yeah. think there's something to be said about those teams having a history of doing this and underachieving. Yeah. And definitely, I think it carries over. Yeah, and for, yeah for sure. And um, from one thing that I've noticed about all these years Purdue's been in the tournament, Matt Painter, he just... He just can't coach in March. Like they don't have, they don't have like that kind of clutch factor. I was at the 2019 first and second round in per, for Purdue's region. I saw them play Old Dominion and Villanova, and that th- that those wins were Carson Edwards. That was not Matt Painter's coaching. That was Carson Edwards dominating. And then the Tennessee game in that Sweet 16 was the same case, but instead but it was Ryan, Ryan but it was I, Ryan Klein making threes. I would push back on that because I I don't think. I don't think that this is necessarily something where you can be like, oh, Matt Painter can't coach defense. Matt Painter can't. Like, there have been, like, that 2019 Purdue team should have beaten Virginia. Oh, like, yeah. it took the Diakite shot. Yeah, if they just it took out. an absolute miracle for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And if if we're comparing things, because that, that 2019 team was a three seed, this Purdue team is probably tracking to get a three seed. Um, I had them as a three seed in my bracketology. Today. Yeah, they're going to probably be a two or a three. And if you look at the Ken Palm profile of what Purdue was in 2019, they were the fourth-ranked offense. They were the 34th-ranked defense. That team is more suited to win a national championship than this one is because this team plays really, really poor defense and consistently plays poor defense and allows teams to elevate their offenses against them. But – that Purdue team a couple years ago easily could have won a national championship. Like they were playing at a level in which if a couple of things go differently, they end up in a final four going up against Auburn, mm-hmm. who would have been a great matchup for that Purdue team because Carson Edwards versus Jared Harper would have been a, a crazy matchup. And mm-hmm. then you get them in a one game situation against Texas Tech, they would have had a shot. So like let's not act like Matt Painter is an awful coach that he's I wouldn't even I wouldn't even put him in the same like because me and Peyton have had this discussion multiple times about another Big Ten team in Iowa they've, mm-hmm. they've had multiple great offenses and Fran McCaffrey has consistently underwhelmed because he never coaches good defense Matt Painter is not necessarily the same way and this this team is confusing because they have pieces to be a decent defensive team they've got an interior presence in Zach Eady they've got Ivy who's more than capable athletically to guard anyone on the defensive end. And then I think Mason Gillis is a pretty solid defender, should be a pretty solid defender based on his size and frame. The Eric Hunters of the world, the Isaiah Thompsons of the world aren't elite athletes. They're not huge guards, so that makes things tough. So I think there's some limitations to this Purdue team. I just think for what they were built up to be and and when – Last year's tournament ended, and immediately we were we were ranking teams for next season, and everyone was like, "Okay, this Purdue team needs to be a top five team." 
for that to be the expectation and then this to be the result of not winning a league title mm-hmm. um, and uh, this Wisconsin team who is probably not a tournament team if you take Johnny Davis off the team but obviously Johnny Davis is on the team and that's why to me the takeaway is that Wisconsin is a Final Four contender whereas I wouldn't say that about Providence because Wisconsin has Johnny Davis Providence does not have a National Player of the Year candidate mm-hmm. so do you guys think that Johnny Davis has taken control of the National Player of the Year race? Is he equal steps with Shibwe? And how much do you guys think next week's conference championships and even just this weekend uh, would solidify things? Like Riley, for example. Shibwe versus Davis. What, how much does SEC and Big Ten tournaments play, in, play a role in where you would evaluate that? Uh, to me, not not huge. I don't think conference. T- I think for the bigger conferences, especially with teams that know they're already in, the conference tournament isn't so much of a factor. Obviously, if you know Davis goes out for forty and Sheway has two and they lose, it's going to make a difference. But they're probably going to do what they've done most of the year. For me, I think I would lean more towards Johnny Davis just because coming into this year, the expectations were so low for this team, and he has single-handedly pretty much brought them to the mountaintop of winning the Big Ten, which is a very big deal. And Kentucky, I think, Shibwe just has more pieces around him that makes it easier for him to do what he does. The rebounding thing is really affected by teammates, but his work in the low post, you can't just double him. He'll you know, kick out to Grady, he'll kick out to Ty Ty or Mintz, and you can put three on the board. As for Johnny Davis, he doesn't have – I mean, Brad Davison's a good shooter – but he doesn't have a guy that, you know, a, you know, he's the Batman and there's really no Robin. And so to me, it's Davis and it's not so much because the numbers, just because of what he's done with this team. And if I can just add one thing on the Purdue defense before we move on from, we can move on from that completely. There's one play from that game that stood out to me that tells me everything I need to know. Tyler Wall went down the post with four minutes left, posted up seven foot four Zach Eady and scored right over the top of him. Tyler Wall's like six foot six. That, that just shouldn't happen. And I think that I think Purdue just that's it just it just showed who they were. But. Well, yeah, Wisconsin completes the series sweep of Purdue, and I know that as of now they have clinched at least a co-share of the Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. They play Nebraska on Sunday, so they will win the league. They don't slip. They beat Ohio State. The McGowan's brothers they can light it up. Yeah, they can. But <laughs> but they're gonna win the league. Yeah, and. and um, it's also looking like I'm going to get to see Johnny Davis in Milwaukee almost. That win last night almost solidifies that because if Purdue's – I mean, if Wisconsin's a top three seed, they're more than likely going to Milwaukee. Yeah, and, and we can talk about uh, what we think as far as the conference tournaments in a moment. Um, before we do that, I want to talk about what we saw last night from Arizona against USC on the road because they went out, and speaking of winning – regular season conference championships went out and won the Pac-12 regular season conference championship. It's their sixth in the last 12 years. It's their fifth in the last nine years winning the, the Pac-12 regular season championship. I tweeted that Arizona is the best team in the country and that they are also the most aesthetically pleasing team in the country to watch. Scott, is that a statement that you agree with? They're fun to watch for sure. They run up and down the court. They play a very good game and uh, I think you said this a couple weeks ago they control the pace of the game no matter who they play and having Benedict Matherin as one of the best players in the country that surely helps they have a lot of size as well and um, clearly they are it's not a debate they are the best team 
west of the Mississippi, in my opinion. Not a, not a debate. Not a debate. I think they could. That Chet Holmgren guy, he's just. Okay, maybe not Gonzaga. <laughs> Second best, my bad. And west of the Mississippi includes Baylor, it includes Texas Tech, it includes Kansas. Better than all three. I would agree. That's but fair. I'm just saying, I think not a debate is quite a. Came on a little strong there, Scott. I'm a, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> a little bold. But I love watching this Arizona team like Gabe does, and they control a game. And Tommy Lloyd is a great coach. He learned from the best in Mark Few. Arizona is going to be a very tough out in the tournament, and it is clear the Pac-12 has nothing on them. It is them versus the field next week in Las Vegas. Yeah, my brother texted me last night. Shout out Tanner, since Peyton's not here to make fun of him. <laughs> Good but name. Good name. He he texts me, which, first off, shame on you, Tanner. It was his first time watching Arizona all year, he said. Which, mm. whatever, you know. He likes calling basketball. Late to the party. Not, yeah, not a junkie, but I think it, it actually what he said that mattered more to me. Because, I, I mean, we all sit down and watch Arizona every night. We kind of get lost in it. He, go, he just goes, my goodness, are they long, fast, and talented. He said they are so, so, so good. And I think we think if you watch a team enough, you kind of get used to it. Like, oh, yeah, of course they're going to, you know, run up and down the court and make plays like that. But then you talk to someone that's their first time watching them. It's like, yeah, these dudes are legit. Yeah, and, for, for people who, like, don't watch pack, like don't watch regular season college basketball mm-hmm. or specifically the don't watch the so like, late. Yeah, if they're, if they're just tuning in and they're like, all right, I'll catch a couple of Duke games. I'll catch Kansas on a big Monday, like all those types of things. And then they, they're like, oh, this – it's March. Let me watch some college basketball. Let me turn on the Pac-12 and let me see what Arizona, who's, oh, they're the number two team in the country. Oh, they three straight plays running in transition, alley-oop dunk, who's transition this, dunk. Who's this guy with the tube socks putting up a triple-double? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that is something that I think could catch people off guard. But I'm also feeling as if this program in particular may wind up becoming a – I don't know if, we're, if it's going to be outright rooting for because I know Peyton, Peyton bleeds maroon and gold a little stronger than I do. But I would say that there is certainly a little bit of, of I think, that we're trending toward Arizona being the national championship pick for, for some of us. I, did you guys see what Kirk Reese did on social media? That was going to be my scholarship later. Okay, well, I think we should just talk about yeah. it now because – Just calling out sports analysts. Multiple, for, multiple yeah. guys, yeah. So – Kirk Kreese, for those who don't know, at Kirk Kreese on Twitter, tweeted uh, at 11.54 p.m. So the the game tipped off at 9 p.m. Uh, Arizona time. So 54 minutes roughly post-game because the game took about two hours. And he screenshotted the ESPN consensus picks and Myron Medcalf's picks for the Pac-12 regular season standings. And he said, pay raise to my guy, Medcalf, please, exclamation mark. Medcalf had his Pac-12 standings in this order. UCLA 1, Oregon 2, USC 3, Arizona State 4, Oregon State 5, Arizona 6. So he said that one first. Then he replied to it and said, at Chris Cartman needs one too. For those who don't know, Chris Cartman covers uh, ASU for Sun Devil Source, which is the 247 website. Cartman had Arizona 8th in his preseason Pac-12 media poll. Um, As someone who has a Pac-12 media vote and who picked Arizona to finish third in the conference, and I think that that was where they wound up. Behind who? I had UCLA 1 and Oregon 2. Okay. And then I had Arizona 3. 
Um, I'm not going to act like I got the rest of the list super, super correct. I got it more correct than some people did. I had I had Oregon State 10 or 11, even though there was people who were picking them fifth. I had Arizona State fourth, and I truly believe that if uh, COVID doesn't happen, if Marcus Bagley doesn't get hurt, maybe they are more competitive throughout the year. So I'm, I'm not going to back down on that one. Um, I had USC, I believe, fifth. But, like, in general – was higher on people uh, higher on Arizona than most people had them in the heat check poll top 25 within uh, for the first week had them in the top 10 after they whooped on Michigan early but what Kirk Kreese is doing here feels like a huge loser move <laughs> a huge loser move uh I would say this if he tweeted this in the middle of the season and was like guys come on like why did you think this of us that they accomplished something. They they won. I think it's okay of him. Dunk and, on the grave. Yeah, and honestly, I think an interesting thing is, I think Kirk Kreisa is exactly what this team needs as far as he's their he's their worst starter. I don't think there's any argument about that. Mm-hmm. And but I think by drawing attention to himself by doing stuff like this, and I don't know if this is at all his point, but I think just the way he plays and kind of he's definitely doesn't he doesn't lack confidence. I think that's exactly what Arizona needs from a point guard who isn't as talented as the rest of them. Because if they have a point guard who's timid and you know shows signs of weakness, they're just, the other team's just going to go right at them, you know, exploit that. And I think that's still the goal of what teams try to do against them. But Kerr is just outgoing and is confident, and I don't, he doesn't let that get to him. I think that. So I don't know if this. I mean, I don't love it because. I mean, how how is anyone supposed to know how the season's supposed to play out? But at the same time, it's I don't think it's that. I don't know if it's a complete loser move. I'm Are not you totally, bothered by it? I'm not totally familiar with the situation, to be honest. I don't have a ton of context. The context is that he just tweeted he was just going at people after they won the league title. Oh. So are you a fan of people dunking on... Uh, the haters and losers of which there may have been many of going against Arizona preseason. I think you got to win the national championship if you're going to dunk on some haters. That's but, a high bar. See, and that's where I go back on and I'm like, this is this is not professional sports. Like, this is college athletics. Winning a league title is a big deal. Exactly. Yeah, like, I understand Getting it. a one seat is a big deal. Yeah. If they, if they would have put, if he would have, like, screenshotted the preseason AP top 25 and none of them at Arizona and then put, oh, we're ranked number two now, like, take that, everyone, that would have been stupid. And if he had done it, if he, I agree with Riley. If yeah. he had done it in January and he was like, oh, look at yeah. us, we're top five in the country After right they now. they beat UCLA, like, oh, man, but, like, he did wait until they won yeah, the regular they season won the title. title, and he he did prove them wrong. So. I, if I was if I was Kirk Risa, I would not have done it until because this could easily be disproven if Arizona doesn't win the conference tournament. The only I pro- don't think so. No, it, no, it, it's not disproven because they winning the conference tournament. They're like we just talked away about. the best yeah. team in Pac-12. Conference tournament isn't they're going to disprove that. What I the only thing that bothers me about it is that it was Kirk Risa. It like if Ben McMathrin tweeted like, "Yo." Look at us. Everyone's like, okay, fair enough. You're but like, this is what Kerr is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is kind of it. It to me, what Kerr Creesa is to Arizona feels, and I'm not equating the two as a player, but it feels a little Draymond Greeny with the Warriors. That is exactly what I was thinking. It's like 
not no, no no I'm not saying he's not nearly the player that Draymond no. is. Draymond no. is no. one of the best defenders of all time in the NBA. Kirk Creesa, I don't think anyone's putting on him on any all-time list aside from like best trolls in college basketball ever. And maybe the most performative actor of all time. Like he got up, took it, he stepped in front of a guy, took one of the worst charges I've ever seen last night and then proceeded to stand up and point the other way like a like Cam Newton after a first down. <laughs> but Kirk Risa is Draymond in the sense that he's clear in a way not the best player on his team, mm-hmm. and, but he is also easily the most vocal person on his team and he's the one who puts the target on people's on their back. So if you're an Arizona fan, I'm sure you love to see what Kirk Risa does. I'm sure that you enjoy watching him celebrate because it usually means that good things are happening but at the same time you're like okay Kerr like you're writing checks with your mouth that you better hope that Benedict Matherin and Azulis Tabellis and Christian Coloco can check like can cash with with their yeah. play yeah, I think he, it'd be interesting to see what his teammates thought of it if they're like yo dude what are we doing or if they're like alright man fair enough the one problem I kind of have with it is that like you said about the ben- Benedict Matherin Kirk Reese is not the best player on this team not even close he's not going to win them a national championship and the fact that he's the one saying it is like yeah, that's it's kind of like you could take him off the team and they could still win a national championship that's my opinion yeah, that's the po- that's that's why I'm like, if I'm an Arizona fan, I'm probably laughing and like enjoying the the crap out of what he did did last night. But then at the same time, I'm like, this might come down. Like somebody's gonna screenshot and use yep. this as as re- receipts when when we get beat in the Elite Eight by Wisconsin again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so that's a, certainly a possibility. Um, do you guys want to do? Let's do bracket bandits before we get to the. Before we preview the conference tournaments, and then we'll go to a break, and we'll come back and talk. All right, conference tournaments. Yeah. So, um, Scott, you want to explain bracket bandits? All right, so bracket bandits. A little bit of a new segment we got ringing in March. So we will be going through some mid-major conferences that could have multiple bids should the favorites not win the conference tournament. For example, Murray State. They look like a lock for the tournament. If they don't win the conference tournament, that qualifies the Ohio Valley for this. All right, yeah, I'm gonna start at the Ohio Valley because, <laughs> to me, that's the it's like the easiest one that sticks out. And Be- that conference tournament is this weekend. Yes, that conference tournament is this weekend, but they format theirs, which I hate the way they do it, and the WCC does it, where the top two seeds just get a bye to the semifinals, and it essentially works in like a ladder. Hate it, man. So if you're a ten seed, you have to win like six games in a row, and if you're a two seed, which you should, but which also- you should, but also. The one and two seeds have to win at least three. Three, three. exactly. Like how the Big Ten, ACC do it. That's you should absolutely have to win three games to win a conference. Yeah, the fact. So, yeah. Other than the Ivy League does just semifinal and final, but they only do four teams make it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you have to earn it from the regular season. Where this, so I think the OVC though is the easiest one to go. Yep, all Belmont needs to do is win their semifinal matchup, and then play the game of their life against Murray State. I don't even know the game of their life. Belmont and Murray State go way back, and I think in a rivalry like that, you kind of throw it out. And especially I think it matters when you're a team, when you're the team that knows if we lose, we're done. You're gonna leave, they're going to leave it all out there. So I think the OVC is like the easiest one just to look at a team in Belmont and just go, yep, they need to win two games, and they're in, and Murray State might be a little complacent right now and go, yep, guys, we're already in. Because I'm old enough to remember a conference tournament with Murray State and Belmont when Dylan Windler should have beat Maryland and John Morant dunked all over Marcus Howard. 
I think the O. I was at that game, John Morant dunking on Marcus Howard. It's pretty electric. The jaw jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton hated that call. <laughs> of course he did. Peyton hates every call from Carter Blackburn. All right. Um. So, wait, are we going to me now? Well, the OVC, I'm just saying in general, oh. is like one of the most fun conference championship games. Oh, to yeah, watch. for it's sure. In general, it, well, and up tempo and the crowd is into it. Uh, the OVC is always something like there's always conference tournament, conference championship games. I'm like, yep, I got I love the ones up in the Northeast and they do it on campus sites because those small little high school gyms get packed. But <laughs> but it's also fun because we've had like campaign. We've had Ja Morant. We've uh-huh. had Dylan Windler. And now we've got Tevin Brown with Murray State and different guards that give give them a different chance. And I had mentioned this when I wrote the Herald this week of Kemba candidates, and I think Tevin Brown is a big-time Kemba candidate for Murray State this year. I, I, based on where they are in Ken Palm and all that, I don't know necessarily where Scott has them, where corporate Scotty has them in the bracketology, and we'll talk about that near the end of the show tonight. Um, but if they get if they get like a 7 or 8, it could be a Loyola situation from last year where somebody somebody on the one line or two line gets screwed over. I agree. Your next conference, Scott. We're going to the Atlantic Ten. Uh, I think it's I think Davidson is pretty safe in the field. They've got uh, I think it was three quad one wins. I don't have it up right now, but Davidson is also the A ten is pretty deep with pretty decent teams. VCU, Dayton, St. Bonaventure, I think are three possible teams that could steal this bid away from a bubble team with Davidson's 25 and four record with a win over Alabama and having absolutely run through the conference. They're pretty safe to be in the field, at least in my eyes, but um, VCU just beat uh, St. Bonaventure very handily. They took care of Davidson themselves a couple weeks ago. Uh, The Rams were a team that were I believe they received votes in the preseason AP Top 25. Obviously fell out, but they are, they've won eight in a row. I could easily see VCU get through the A-10 and even Dayton or St. Bonaventure to make the A-10 a two-bid league. One thing I would say about that, and I don't want to ruin the segment here, but I think if VCU gets to the conference championship game, they, they might get in as an at-large. That's been talked about. I don't know the exact. I'm not sure. Mike DeCourcy had him in, but Dayton could. Dayton has wins over Miami, Kansas, Belmont. As of right now, Davidson is the only team safe. VCU and Dayton. I did. I did not have them on my in my bracket. I certainly consider their resumes though. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm just saying. I think if you're talking about teams most Mm -hmm. likely to become the bandit in this scenario Mm -hmm. and take away. Or steal a bid from the presumed number one seed and the team that pretty handily won the league. I mean, mm-hmm. Davidson necessarily did not necessarily win the league handily and like was down early to George Mason this after or this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the A ten, the top four seeds get buys. So right now, that's Davidson, Dayton, VCU, St. Bonaventure. So it's only three games. I, mean, I think Dayton's more like I think Dayton is more scary than VCU. And I honestly think St. Louis is more scary than St. Bonaventure on a neutral so- neutral floor. But if they have to play an extra game, that makes things a little a little more challenging. Yeah. Um, Who you got, Gabe? Well, I would say the Missouri Valley is the one that I'm looking at because the Conference USA really does not does not necessarily in, in, intrigue me that much. Mm-hmm. But if we go to the Missouri Valley, 
super, super odd situation here where Loyola Chicago finishes because of tiebreakers as the fourth place team in the Missouri Valley and sets up, if the bracket falls according to plan, a semifinal matchup with number one seed Northern Iowa. So the toughest team for them to take on, and I certainly, we've talked a little bit about Missouri State and Isaiah Mosley. We've talked about Drake and how solid they've been this year at times. And so those two teams kind of get some favor by getting to avoid, neither one of them will have to play Northern Iowa and Loyola Chicago because if things fall according to plan, the Ramblers and Panthers will eliminate each other, one of the two, in the semifinals. But Loyola is the best team in this league. It is analytically, resume-wise, pedigree, uh, just roster construction, I think coaching-wise too, given what we've seen from Drew Valentine. They're the team that scares the most people. And I think most people can, I mean, Scott, you'd say most people think that Loyola is in the field safely, not relatively. By, not by much not right by now. Much, but they, but they'd be in. in. They're last in right four, now. Last yes. four probably. So even if they end up they not have, winning it. They have to beat Northern Iowa. They have to get, yes, they certainly have to get to the championship. Mm-hmm. But if they do, and then they get upset, upset by Missouri State or Drake, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing for the Missouri Valley to get two two bids. I think they, in that scenario, they would get two bids. The worst thing that can happen for that conference is Northern Iowa beating Loyola in that semifinal, because then it, that's going to be a one-bid league. Because Northern Iowa doesn't have any sort of at-large resume. Mm-hmm. No. They were, I think, a 13 in Lenardi's latest. Mm-hmm. And, so. and I honestly think the best thing for the league is Loyola getting to the championship and then losing to Missouri State, because... If you're talking about intrigue, most fun teams to watch, most fun players to watch in March, like Isaiah Mosley on a tournament stage would be a lot of fun. That guy is, I believe he won Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year. I think that was announced today. And just in general has been a bucket all year long. I I know Peyton had that tweet in mid-January during, uh, I think, the second or third week of the season, or the second or third week of this semester where there was like a five-game stretch where Mosley was averaging like 35 a game. And he's he's been incredible. So if he could just carry the Bears to win that league, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be shocking. And it would also, um, if they did it over Loyola Chicago, would make things interesting. But I, Loyola is a team that can win, win a tournament game. I don't know if Missouri State can win a tournament game, but I think Loyola can. Um, the other teams in the league, scary for Loyola's sake. I don't know if they're necessarily scary for winning an NCAA tournament. Um, I think those are the three conferences that we really wanted to hit on. Mm -hmm. So let's take a break, and then we will come back, and we'll do a breakdown of the Power Six conferences in conference tournament play. Can I get a heat check? check? The answer is yes. You can get a heat check. Let's freaking go! If you're not already getting a heat check, then... What are we doing? Listen to Peyton, Gabe, and the gang break down college basketball only on Heat Check. 11 to 12 on Wednesdays, only on Blaze Radio, blazeradioonline.com. Do you like tennis? Yeah. Do you like it to party? Yeah, even more so I like it to party. 
then come on down and join the tennis party at Down the Line radio show on Blaze Radio. You can listen to it Mondays at 2.30 to 3 p.m. Host is Carson Brever talking about tennis, tennis things, tennis players, tennis coaches, tennis writers. Come on, sometimes talk about the tennis. You don't want to miss it, so come on, tune in, and let's party. So, uh, you like Fortnite? No, Grandpa. Oh, yeah, me neither. You like that, uh, Gangnam Style feller? No, Grandpa. Oh, uh, so, uh, what do you like? I like Nerd Sesh. Nerd Sex? Now we're talking. No, Grandpa, it's Nerd Sesh, the podcast that goes deep into NBA, NFL, and sports history analysis three times a week, available on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube. You can also follow the nerds on Twitter at nerd underscore sesh and on Instagram at nerd sesh. And you can even catch the live show on blazeradioonline.com from 3 to 4 every Friday. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I meant, too. Welcome back to Heat Check on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Thanks for hanging with us as we are in the Bill Austin Radio Studio. Down Peyton Gallagher with some illness. Kevin later out of town. Uh, but we are still breaking down college basketball as the season heats up and the casuals start to tune in. <laughs> we are informing the people on what's going on with college basketball and conference tournament play. So, guys, we're going to talk about the Power Six leagues. So, obviously, the Pac-12, the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, Big 10, and the Big East. I will give free reign to Riley, and we will he will determine which league we begin with. And from there, what stands out to you most, what you're most intrigued by, and then we can just kind of, I guess, pick who we think's winning each conference tournament and who, who, we, could, who we could see as the... Uh, star of the show uh, I think we should just do alphabetical and so we'll start with ACC my convenient my favorite of the little biased actually I shouldn't say it's my favorite because it's not my not my, this year not any year <laughs> not any year I live in Big Ten country and for those of you who haven't heard my horror story I was at the Big Ten tournament in 2020 when we sadly got sent home and that will always be something that lives with me but we're praying for you no I think we I think should he's start. gotten over it Maybe, yeah, I have. Maybe. It's I mean, been two years. I, no, I haven't gotten over it. But whatever. Over it, kind of. But I know, I think the ACC tournament provides the most intrigue in that Duke is probably the only team with Notre Dame losing tonight to Florida State. The only team that you can say, yep, they're in the tourney for sure, without a doubt. First, I agree. First regular season conference championship outright since JJ Redick was at Duke. This year. Seriously? 2006 was the last time that Duke won the league outright, and it happened tonight because Notre Dame lost to Florida State on the road. The 2010 team didn't win the league outright? Nope. Wow. 2010 team didn't. 2015 team didn't. Who won in 2015? Probably Virginia. The conference in 2015 was Virginia. Yeah, Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. All right, but the way it is right now, it would be Duke won... Notre Dame 2, Carolina 3, Miami 4, earning the double buys. And what I think is interesting is that somebody has to get to the conference championship game to play Duke, and almost certainly from that half of the bracket, whether it's Notre Dame, Carolina, 
Virginia Tech or Virginia. Those would be the four teams that are most likely. I think if whoever whoever those four teams gets to the championship against Duke, I think is in the tournament. Um, maybe Virginia Tech and Virginia, maybe not. But I think they actually did themselves a favor by not getting a double bye in the sense they have yeah. a chance just to win one more game. And it's going to be against a lesser opponent. But anytime you beat anyone in March is, you know, you win a game. And so... I have a bit of a... I don't want to say a take, but, like, if Virginia Tech or Virginia can... If one of those schools can get to the final, they have a legitimate case yeah, for, for an sure. at-large bid. Yep. And so... And Virginia's proven they can beat Duke. Yep. Tony Bennett, he's a very good defensive coach. I think he's shown he's been able to at least limit Paolo Banquero. I think Virginia... Um, I Yeah, so I think the Cavaliers are the best bet to beat Duke in the ACC tournament. I disagree. And the fact that they'd be the best bet. I mean, if you had to pick one team from the ACC to match up with them and beat them one game, maybe, but the odds that they meet up in the tournament, very that, slim. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If Duke, Virginia yeah. is the is, I don't want to say the only team that can beat Duke, but I would have the most confidence in Virginia beating Duke because they've already done it. If I were Duke, I don't. I don't think Duke's going to win the conference tournament. I don't. And I. So who is? I think it's going to be one of the. I think it's going to be Notre Dame, Carolina, Virginia Tech, or Virginia. I think it's one of those four. I was going to say I could. I could see Wake doing it. I could also see Wake because Force doing it. They need some that, help though. They need some help for sure. They'd but have to I go think, through Duke earlier. That's yeah, but but also, here's the thing: Wake Forest is a better basketball program than most people give them credit for. Like they've had Chris Paul, they've had Tim Duncan, they've had uh, plenty of people who NBA careers, and and they've had good stretches of really solid play where they've been a nationally ranked team. This is one of the best Wake Forest teams that, and this is not saying that much, one of the best Wake Forest teams in recent memory. Because of that, I think that they've rejuvenated the fan base to a, to a certain extent. And I know that it's not in Greensboro, so it's not a convenient trip into North Carolina and the Wake Forest fan base, whatever level of support and interest they have, might not have as easy of a time getting there because it's in Brooklyn. But in a year where it might be harder for everyone to get there and there might be less intrigue for people to get there because the ACC's down and there's a lot of teams who are going into things thinking, oh, well, this is just the end of the road. We're not making the NCAA tournament, all these types of things. There's optimism and, like, real hope for this Wake Forest fan base. So it's not, like, out of the realm of possibility that people get hyped up and they're like, oh, let's go watch Alondis Williams and let's go watch this group have a chance to make a push in Brooklyn and make make the semifinals, make the finals, and solidify a 10-seed, a 9-seed, maybe – with a crazy run, an eight seed in the NCAA tournament, like mm-hmm. that's that's in the in the fold. It's a possibility for them. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm just saying, like, of of all the like weird things that could happen mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, I think Wake Forest is the one that I would like. I don't know what the gambling odds are, or whatever. I would take a flyer on it. Mm-hmm. If I am Duke, I don't like my draw being the one seed. I the they're gonna get the winner of Syracuse and Florida State. And I know the obvious... Both are teams that can win in March. And the obvious point is, well, they just killed Syracuse. But that zone is hard to prepare for, even though Duke killed it. They're not going to shoot the way that they did. Exactly. Jimmy Beheim, great coach. They have have three dudes on that team in now Cole Swider, apparently. (laughs) Jimmy Beheim and Buddy Beheim that can go out and get you... 
20 to 30 any given night. And they are a team. So Syracuse, from that standpoint, would scare me. And Florida State has obviously already beat them. If healthy. If healthy. If if healthy, yeah. Yeah. And then Florida State, obviously a team, like we're saying, that has already beaten Duke. If they do, they probably will get past them just because they don't have played a game the night before. They'll have to come back the next day and play the number one team. They're probably going to get either Miami or Wake Forest, who I think Wake Forest matches up well with them, almost beat them after a Mark Williams tip-in. And Shouldn't have been allowed. I agree wholeheartedly. Miami beat them already this and year. And Miami beat them and is a team where when things are going well for Miami, they, they're going well. And so I think that side of the bracket isn't very favorable for them. I think they'd do a lot better if they had Notre Dame, Carolina on their side because those are teams they've proven they can handle. As a Carolina fan, I hate the draw right now. We're looking at probably playing Virginia in our first game, and I don't think it's a must-win, but it's going to be a game where if we lose on Selection Sunday, I'm not sitting there like, yep, we're in. I'm like, put North Carolina on the screen. Or <laughs> if we beat Virginia in that game, then we have a chance to go redeem ourselves against Notre Dame. Could so- just win on Saturday and get in. That would be the that's goal. A, that's a lock, but going to <laughs> that, Cameron Indoor and Coach K's that, fi- final game there, it would be fitting if Carolina could pull no it off. You have no idea how much – there's like 80 former Duke players. You have no idea well, how much they're, that they're would They're going to get the, the most incredible home whistle of all time. Oh, yeah. The, everything likely. is stacked against them, but Caleb Love loves Cameron Indoor, so we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully he turns the ball over six times so, no we'll, offense, so we win. <laughs> no offense to the ACC and what's going on in Brooklyn, but I think the excitement in New York next week is going to be at Madison Square Garden more. So, okay, but before we talk about the Big East, let's do Thief in the Night then. And then we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, so we'll go with, we'll go around the, the room and we will share Thief in the Night is what conference tournaments or what power six teams do you think can be the bid stealer from, um, and take a, take a bid even though they're not, not going to be an at large? Um, who will it be that comes out of nowhere and snags a bid? a la Oregon State, a la Georgetown. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to do our real pick of who you think is going to win the league uh, conference championship. So this is just for the ACC. We'll do it conference by yes, conference. we're going to do it conference by conference right. as we preview each league. So, ACC. All right. Um, for me, it's Virginia Tech. I think they have a very easy draw with they're going to get Clemson's not bad, but then they get Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame might be the worst two seed in the history of the tournament. Yep. And Virginia Tech just has guys who are good and have been there before. I'm going to go Florida State. Uh, I like Leonard Hamilton as a coach. Florida State has proven they can win some games in March in the past. They play really well, de- really well defensively. They just went to South Bend and beat Notre Dame, who is, according to standings, the second best team in the ACC. So, uh, and with their draw, I think Duke being their first game is tough. But if you can beat Duke, you can beat anybody else in the conference. So I'll go with the Seminoles. I made fun of this team on Sunday night during the podcast with Peyton, and made fun of Coach K. Saying that it would be a sin if this team missed the tournament, but I do think that they would miss the tournament as it currently sits, unless they win the league title uh, in the conference tournament. But if they got to the conference tournament championship, people would start claiming that they needed to get in. Um, I'm going to say Virginia. Okay. So one vote for Virginia Tech, one vote for Virginia, and one vote for Florida State. Florida State's road would be tough, and they're just not healthy. So I don't know if. I don't know what Scott's seeing there. Who do you guys think actually wins the conference championship? Duke. Riley? I'm, I don't think Carolina does. I think Virginia does, honestly. And I really, unfortunately, I think 
You think Virginia is going to run the thing? I think that – I'm not going to say Duke because I won't let myself do that. And But I think Duke gets there, and so I, and I think they're most likely going to play Virginia. If you want me to be biased and give a real opinion on Carolina winning it, all I'm going to say is it's really hard to beat a team three times. And if they do get to play Duke that third time, chances are in his, if the way history goes, whenever a Duke-Carolina sweeps each other, they when they meet up in the AC tournament, the other one wins. So – but no, I, I, I mean obviously Duke, but outside of them, with I think Virginia would be a good pick. Yeah, I think Duke wins it. All right, let's talk Big East. Scott, what intrigues you most about this conference champion conference tournament? This is this Big East has been very competitive this year, and uh, I know what happened with Georgetown last year is kind of an anomaly, but it this has been Villanova's conference tournament. They have reigned over the Big East for years in Madison Square Garden but this year they are the two seed but they are going to have what looks like a pretty good walk right now to the final as with UConn's loss to Creighton tonight they would need to go through as this loads stand by St. John's they would need Villanova would have to go through St. John's which that might be tougher than usual then they would get Creighton without Ryan Nemhard and then it could be anyone from Providence to Xavier, Seton Hall, Marquette, UConn in the final. All teams that they have beaten other than Marquette. So I would say Villanova is my pick to win the conference tournament just because of the way the draw is out because I think that top bracket is just going to kill each other. But Thief in the Night potential, I'm going with the Johnnies. St. John's has proven they can play some close games. They took UConn to the wire twice, home and away. Uh, they gave Villanova two good games. They kept close with Creighton. If they could just figure out a way to close games, I think they have one of the best players in the conference in Julian Champagny. Posh Alexander is a good Robin to that Batman. If they can just figure out a stretch of games where they can get it going, St. John's could steal a bit. I would agree. I think St. John's is the the team. I think most people probably think Seton Hall is a tournament team by itself anyways. Mm -hmm. And... I honestly think Xavier has probably played itself out of the race. And I don't believe They're in, in Xavier. I don't believe sure. in Butler. Sorry, Kevin. I don't believe in DePaul. <laughs> and then Georgetown just flat out sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think the clear and obvious chance for a steal is St. John's. And any game that they play in, when you've got Posh and you've got Champagny, you've got probably two of the four best players on the court. Mm-hmm. And that's always key in these conference tournaments. Yeah, I think I think St. John's would be the pick. I also just want to throw this out there. Something I just thought of as we're doing this is last year was absolutely unheard of with Oregon State and Georgetown. So these thief of the night picks don't expect. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is certainly like, like, I don't, not very likely. But. I've, uh, of the six, I can almost guarantee none of them will win the conference tournament. But pretty much, that's not the point of the segment. So who do you guys have winning coming out of the Big East eventually? Villanova. Villanova, hundred percent. They. Let's be real. Like, Providence won a fake league championship. Frauds. Fraudvidence. They won one fewer game. They lost one fewer game. They played two fewer games than Villanova did um, so far. So what am I supposed to do with that? Like, <laughs> Fair enough. They're going to win on a percentage. They're not going to win necessarily. Be, like, they lost both games to Villanova. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. I... You're not going to hear me say a lot of positive things. Like, shout out, I as I was talking about 
understanding that you can't win the national championship. Not every team can win the national championship. Not every team can go to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. So you have to have different checkpoints of what's an accomplishment each year. And there's more to celebrate in winning a league championship in the regular season in college basketball than there is in winning a division championship in the, the NBA. So shout out Providence for winning your league. Good for them, Good man. for you. Like, hang the banner, print the shirts, wear them around proudly. And go out in the round of 32. And go out in the round of 32 and stop bombarding people. Like, just enjoy the season that you've had rather than going at all the media members who are like, this team's not as good as people think, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go to the Big Ten. Is this being played in Chicago this year or is it Indiana? Indianapolis? Indianapolis. All right, Indianapolis. Wisconsin is going to be the number one overall seed. Most people, corporate Scotty, mm-hmm. nine bids. Um, let me count up who I had. One, two. If you have Indiana out, you have them at eight. If then I have them okay, in, then I have eight. Then yes. Okay, so you think Indiana needs to play their way in? Uh, they're nine and ten in conference play. Assuming per- they lose, they're going to lose to Purdue. Purdue on Saturday. So that would put them at nine and eleven. That would put them at eighteen and twelve overall, and it would still keep them in the nine spot, which means they'd, they'd play either Michigan State or Michigan. It depends on the matchups. If they win, they would get a chance at Wisconsin. You would think they would have to win those two games and get to 20 and 12 to like really, really, really feel safe about where they're at on Selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, Riley, do you think Indiana is the most likely thief in the night? Uh, I don't know. The, here's the thing. If they got to the conference championship, they would just be in. They're in, yeah. But if they be, if they can win that nine eight matchup and then beat Wisconsin, they're safe. The only team that is like a true wouldn't make the tournament, but could if they went on a crazy run is Maryland. With Fats Russell and Eric Ayala and Cutis Wahab, like if if they play like the team that they did on Sunday against Ohio State, they could get there. But as we just mentioned, like this is not likely stuff to happen, and also. That 2002 national championship team isn't sitting there on the sideline motivating you like they were on Sunday. (laughs) Like that was – there was no way they were losing that game on Sunday. Celebrating the 2002 national championship? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, No, I think um, I'm going to go away from that because Maryland would probably be the – I think Northwestern could potentially. And what I mean by – They have Boo Booey. They have Pete Nance. I mean, obviously, you sit here and it's it's not likely, but they've shown the ability to, at the time, Michigan State was a lot better than they are now. They beat them. I think I think Northwestern, I mean, it would be the most likely of the teams who aren't going to make the tournament if they go on a run. And Northwestern probably has a safe, uh, a soft spot in my heart because they're the one of the four teams I got to see play at that Big Ten tournament I was at. So, and I saw Boo Booey live in action. Him and Marcus Carr toe to toe. That's the problem with the Big Ten is so many teams are going to get in at large that it's hard to pick a thief in the night. But like Gabe said with Maryland, I wouldn't completely rule it out. It's a team. It's a program with tournament pedigree. Eric Ayala he stepped up to beat UConn last year. I hate being reminded of that game, but they've. They've won games in March before, but the Big Ten's just too deep for them to win four games in four days. I think I don't necessarily think Michigan is safe. If they put it together, I guess that could count, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them get on a bit of a run maybe. But I don't know. It's too 
there's too much talent in the Big Ten for one of these teams below like the six or seven seed to be able to steal yeah. it. You have to string together basically five straight quad one wins. Yeah, it's and, ridiculous. And, which is just insanely well, hard. Well, the first one won't be quad one. The first, the, yeah, you, yeah, the, okay, okay. So four quad one wins after mm-hmm. your first quad three win, <laughs> quad two, whatever. Quad, it might, yeah, it quad, quad two, two. Yeah. yeah. Um, who do you guys think actually wins the conference tournament? I'm gonna say Illinois. I'm gonna go Wisconsin. I was also gonna. I'm gonna go Illinois as well. Okay. So, do you think Illinois? I saw today is plus nine hundred to make the Final Four, and I was really thinking about putting a wager on that. The problem is, other than Kofi, you can't trust them. They don't have a ton of consistency outside of Trent Frazier. But, like, here's the thing. In a a year, I keep saying this, in a year full of bad guard play, like across the country, bad guard play. Texas Tech does not have have good guards. Kansas does not have very good guards or does not have very consistent guards. Um, Who else we got? Duke doesn't have good guards. Duke does not have good guards. Um, Auburn's guards do... Really, really stupid stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Wisconsin, I know that they have Johnny Davis. Chucky Hepburn exists. He's not, like, special. Davison's good. Yeah, but I'm talking, like, okay, Davison's fine. He's not, like, their issue. But if you're going down the list of the country, like, if you're talking about guys I can put the ball in the hands of and say, go create space, go hit a shot late. Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plummer are both guys that I think can go get their bucket late. And I would say and most teams don't have that. In March, we see guys emerge. Why? Why not Curbelo? You know, he could. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy who loves the moment, and so if they, he starts playing like he can, if you have Plummer, Frazier, and Curbelo all playing well, I consider Grandison a guard. I think or a wing, but he's yeah, he's a small forward. But, but Grandison and Williams are both solid. I yeah. I just like their pieces. And if you're mm-hmm. if you're asking me like which team is most likely to end the Big Ten drought, I honestly think it's Illinois. It's it's Illinois to me more than it is Wisconsin, who is almost as lucky as Providence. And then Purdue doesn't play any defense. Like Michigan and Michigan State aren't anything special to me. Ohio State does stupid stuff like losing to Nebraska. Their their defense is as bad or worse than Purdue's. So like. There's flaws in all of them, and they're going to get a bunch of bids, but there's really not that many national championship contenders, but Illinois has it. Like, Illinois has good guards. They have Kofi. I don't know. I like the fighting line I more than most people do, I think, um, even though I'm probably down on that league as a whole more than more than most. All right, let's do the Big 12, and then we'll do the SEC and Pac-12. Do some guard your man, and then kind of wind down. Big 12 conference, though. TCU is probably in the field now because they just beat TCU safe two straight top ten teams. Mm-hmm. Iowa State is probably they're safely in. They've got twenty wins, yeah. almost nine of the nine of them are quad ones. I saw a scenario. They scored thirty six points tonight, guys. Thirty six. I saw, I saw a thirty six points. Where Carolina's a ten, and they get to play Iowa State as a seven first round. They would they would beat them. Oh, for sure, that'd be outstanding. That game would be over at halftime. Maybe even at no, the... No, no, no. It would be close, but I think North Carolina would be licking its chops if they got Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Only problem is they'd get Kentucky second round, which we saw how that went. You're going but, home. <laughs> no, this, this I think, might be... Remember, Oklahoma State's not playing in this conference tournament. Mm-hmm. So the 8-9 game is Kansas State and West Virginia. 
which means the winner of that gets Kansas. Kansas. If Kansas wins their last two, they have to win their last two. They'll beat TCU tomorrow. Yeah, and then they should beat Texas because the only way that KU loses at home is usually teams dropping 80 on them, and Texas does not score 80 on the road. I know that they just did that against West Virginia, but this is to West Virginia. Yeah. Um, I think this, for I, I've always enjoyed the Big 12 tournament. Me too, yeah. I wouldn't say more so. I think it was the thing I like about it is the Big 12 tournament is good from day one. You watch, you turn yeah, there's the, no, there's you, no. You turn on the Big Ten tournament, and it's like, oh, I'm not watching Northwestern and Penn State grind it out for. I mean, obviously, I do watch them grind it out for 40 minutes, but that's time I'm not getting back. Where the Big 12, you're gonna get TCU, Iowa State first round. It's looking like, or Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, those are quality matchups. However, it the chips may fall, and so. I guess it'd be Texas TCU, Texas Tech, Iowa State. So it would right now it'd be K State West Virginia, Oklahoma would play. Uh, well, it's so weird because Kansas has that extra game to play still. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really change what TCU would do, but uh, Oklahoma would play Baylor, uh, Iowa State would play Texas Tech, TCU would play Texas. Yeah. And so those are, I mean, those are high quality games from the start. I like Iowa how State it, Texas Tech might be first to fifty. Yeah, I like how that is first to fifty. I mean, it's just quarterfinals, semifinals, championship. And so I, what I also love how the playing field is leveled out because you're not going to have a team where they've played three days in a row and the other team hasn't even played a game yet, you know. And so that's why I think the Big Twelve you get mom, you get probably the most competitive games overall. But, and I think they have, and we're looking at a thief in the night for this one. Uh, K-State or West Virginia, take your pick, because it, the other ones are all, well, I guess Oklahoma might. Oklahoma's not in either, I wouldn't say right now. Oklahoma could hang. I think the reason I would pick K-State, even though it sucks that, well, let me see who they Oklahoma's play. a team, though, where if they, very similar to Indiana in the Big Ten, if they beat... Baylor and then Texas Tech back to back nights they're in. So here's the thing. If K State wins this weekend, they play Oklahoma. They play Oklahoma uh I believe at home. Mm-hmm. It might be on the it might be on the road. It doesn't really matter. If they win the game, they move from being the eight seed to the seven. It's a massive game because one of the two teams is playing KU and one of the two teams is playing Baylor. You can argue which one is better or worse. But given that Nigel Pack is the strength of K-State, I think that he provides the most likely opportunity for any team in the Big 12 to do something weird mm-hmm. because he could just go nuclear. And I guess the, the counter-argument to that is that he has 30 points in like three games this year and K-State's 0-3 in all of them. So even when he plays well, like the rest of their team doesn't play well. Who do you guys think actually wins this, this conference tournament? I honestly think other than Iowa State, that was not me. Just making that clear for any listeners. <laughs> I honestly think other than Iowa State, anyone in this field could pull it off. Because the Big 12, like Riley said, it's competitive like that. And like with Kansas State, Nigel Pack is a guy that could take over a game. West Virginia with Bob Huggins. They know how to win these kind of games. But Nah, they don't know how to win. This team does not know how to win. Fair enough. But looking at <laughs> looking at the field, uh, I'm going to go with Kansas because, I mean— Baylor and Tech got to play each other in the semifinal. I think that's going to tax out the winner because that's going to be a very tough and close game. I mean, Baylor's going to want to beat Tech finally. Tech's going to want to, you know, sweep them three straight this year. And as long Kansas, 
I don't have any doubts about them beating Texas, but considering TCU just got them, even though I think Kansas will get them back tomorrow night. So as long as Kansas like wins somewhat comfortably in the quarters and semis, I would expect the Jayhawks to come over at the Big 12 title, only because Baylor and Tech will just duke it out against each other the day before. I think Texas Tech wins it, and here's why. Um, I think in this is the only time where you're going to play, other than the preseason tournaments, where you play three games in three days. Because in the NCAA, you obviously get a day off and yeah. then the weekend. And so yeah. I think in a scenario like this, I think defense wins out because when you get to that second and third day in a row, I mean, naturally your legs start getting tired, your legs get tired, you miss shots, and it's going to be teams who just know how to sit down, defend, walk the ball up the court, and win 60-55, to 55, I think that benefits Texas Tech in this scenario. I honestly, I have no data to back this up, but I think that sometimes when you have these multiple games in multiple days, teams actually play worse defense and they play more loose and the games get into more pickup ball. Which is, that's why I think, I'm what I'm saying is I think the other, I guess it's not really fair to say the other teams are going to, but Tech's staple all year has been defense, and so I think they're going to get a break from Kansas and Baylor if they do end up playing them where they're not going to be as locked in defensively and I, Tech knows that's the only way they win is playing defense yeah, I and get, so their offense becomes easier. I get that. I just think that it's like this has always been a defensive league especially as of late um, certainly since since we lost Devontae Graham and Frank Mason and, and Buddy Heald. Like this has been a defensive league and Kansas and Baylor are good, good offensively. The rest of the league is really not anything special offensively but We've consistently seen that when games are played in Kansas City, neutral site, like it gets faster, it gets more open, it gets more fun. Um, I don't know. The, the weird thing with injuries in this thing is, or injuries and absences, Texas doesn't have Trey Mitchell. He left the program. Classic. Texas Tech doesn't have or hasn't had at times Kevin McCuller because he's got this nagging ankle injury. Baylor said, Scott Drew said to, I believe, John Rothstein this t- today, that LJ Cryer was going to be evaluated every single game for the rest of the season uh, as a game time decision. And then Bill Self has said that David McCormick is probably going to get rested in the Big 12 tournament because his foot is bothering him and he's been playing on one foot for like the last month and a half. So I don't think you can make a pick based on health. I think you have to make a pick based on the bracket. And, and so truly, if Kansas does end up as the one seed, and they don't have to play Baylor and Texas Tech. They just get to play Texas or TCU plus the winner, the survivor of Baylor and Tech. I think that they're going to win the league championship. As you should. But I still think Baylor's the best team in that league. Like, if honestly, Baylor's the most likely team to win the national championship in the Big 12. They just are. James Akinjo. I agree. In March talking about the importance of guard play like the ship has almost sailed on Remy like really figuring things out Mm -hmm. as sad as that is I there's glimpses where I'm like oh there's like there's some there's some belief that Bill Self can have in him like there's some trust that he can be built from but at the end of the day Bill just loves Dewan Harris way too much for my liking Mm -hmm. and will always rely on him Baylor knows how good Akinjo is Akinjo was great against Texas on Monday night and I think that James Akinjo could definitely do some Kemba stuff in March and win Baylor National Championship so there's the Big 12 let's talk about the SEC that's and not alphabetical 
Pac-12. Q-R-S-P... Yeah. L-M-N-O-P... <laughs> Q-R-S. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> it's past midnight out here. All right, we'll talk about the Pac-12. Pac-12. We yeah. sleep in May. We'll talk That's about the right, Pac-12. we sleep in May, Gabe. We'll talk about the Pac-12. Um, Bid stealer, ASU. Oh, I mean, for sure. Who got, who's going to guard Jalen Graham? <laughs> you, you can't guard... Christian Coloco. You, you can't stop Jalen Graham. You can only hope to slow him down. <laughs> no, genu- I genuinely do think ASU could be a bid stealer. I have the thief in the night from this league. Um, the problem is, with the way that the standings are lined up right now, they're the eight seed, which means Arizona in the quarters. They're the nine right now, but... So get them out. But get them out of the they, league quick. If they beat Cal... And then and Stanford, they beat Stanford. They move up to seven. They will no doubt about it be moved up. No, no, no. I just put it. I put it in through a website. If they beat Cal and Stanford, they'll be the eight. If Washington wins against, as long as Washington, Washington beats Oregon State. No, 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 no. You need Washington to lose. Washington is a game ahead of ASU as well. You need Washington State. Washington has the tiebreaker. There's a scenario where. Washington would have to lose to Oregon State for ASU to be the seven. Yeah. Whatever whatever has to happen for ASU to get to the seven can happen. It's not likely. Mm-hmm. If they end up as the eight and they end up playing Arizona in the second round, they're, they're toast. Okay. Agreed. That's a good point. I did not take that into consideration. I will change my selection to Colorado. If that's the case, yes, Colorado becomes the team. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oregon, Oregon becomes the team that needs to do a, a couple things just to get in. Yeah, Oregon they, right now is on the five. They beat Oregon State. They beat Colorado and give Arizona a game in the semifinal. I think they're okay. Well, I mean, according to Bill Walton, they should eight, all be in. Eight of them should be yeah, in. Yeah, eight of the top eight should all be in. Conference of champions. This to, The Pac-12 tournament this year, pretty much every year to me, will always be the most boring of the power six. It's always Part like a two- or three-team race. I it's because like. of the TV contract. In, they, par, in certainly in part of it, that is. That they is they only they play all the first round games on Wednesday on Pac-12. Three of the four. I don't. Only one. One of them's on FS1. The other three are on Pac-12. One of the semifinals on the Pac-12 network, and the championship is on Fox. And so, like the Big Ten tournament, you can watch every single game on a nationally tele network TV. Exactly. Yeah. And so, that's why. And gr- growing up, obviously, out on the West Coast, it just, being from the Midwest, didn't always intrigue me. And the Pac-12 traditionally only has three, four teams that are solid. I, this year, I don't think it's close. Arizona wins the tournament. However, I think for their sake, if I were them, you never want to lose. But I think if you lose in the championship to UCLA or USC, so be it, you know? I, th- I don't think it's something like, oh, this is... Such a bad thing. If you get to the championship game, they don't even have to get to the championship game. I think they could. They're not going to lose their first round game if they get to semifinals, lose to Oregon. I think they're still a one seed, and I think that honestly isn't the worst thing for them. My thing is if they win, if they win out, and they're thirty-one and three, there's a strong to decent like there's a decent to strong case that they're the number one overall seed, Which and puts then them in the West region, puts them in the West, and sends Gonzaga to either San Antonio or Philly. Gonzaga would go to San Antonio, I bet. Because they would have they have a better case for number two overall than Baylor or Kansas. Do they? 
I think they do. Which, speaking on that, just real quickly about that, I saw today that Duke has requested Chicago, Chicago mm-hmm. over. Had over to change that in my bracketology. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting. Well, Duke's not going to get the one though. Yeah, it's all about Coach K and his thing. He's mm-hmm. a me guy, not a we guy. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, no, this conference tournament doesn't really intrigue me at all. I know I live uh, in a Pac-12 country now, but I still can probably – I'll be at home over spring break for all the conference tournaments, which I am stoked for. Like, Mom, get ready to make lunch and dinner. Maybe some pizza rolls. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be in the basement watching games. Yes, exactly. I'm very ex- – like, I am – one of my fondest memories of college basketball was I got the flu the one week in elementary school, the whole week of conference tournaments, and I just sat there and watched games and drank Powerade, and it was glorious. But, yeah, I don't think we need to spend much time on this one. No, everyone thinks everyone thinks Arizona's winning. Yeah, and Agreed. FIFA, FIFA's got to be Colorado, I think. Colorado, Colorado or ASU. Yep, like, yep. ASU's playing hot basketball. They yep. probably are not going to get great matchups. All right. right, SEC. Now we can get to your SEC. Thief. Vanderbilt. Shout out Peyton first off. He's not here because I know he'd think that. But you're argument for Nigel Pack and K-State's the same one I have. I think any anytime you have a guy who can just go out and get 30, it it's it's a real case, you know? We saw, I mean, obviously last year was Oral Roberts and Max Acemas. He just goes out. People forget they were the four seed in their own conference tournament. I'm just, you know, you have a guy who just goes out and just gets buckets and there's nothing you can do to stop him. They, they have a good chance of anyone. And not only that, they'll be, right now, if the season ended right now, they'd be the 11 seed. They would play Georgia first round, which Georgia's Man. got a whole thing going on. <laughs> then they'd get Florida. I think that's probably one of the more favorable. I, I think if they were if they got to pick, they'd probably rather get um, South Carolina from that group. But I think if you avoid LSU and Alabama and get Florida, not a bad look. And then they, for the double by teams, they're looking at Tennessee right now then. And if I had to pick a team to play out of, out of Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, I would take Tennessee. So... That's why I think for the thief, just because, like I said, anytime you have a guy who's just a dude, you <laughs> you have a chance in every game. I'm not smart enough to figure out the matchup situation as I'm just looking at the list of standings in a straight order. Mm-hmm. But I think what we saw at a Mississippi State tonight against Auburn makes it that I could see Iverson Molinar going off. I think that they tenth right now. They're not. They, they would be ninth with a win this weekend, I believe. Because then they avoid playing that first day, which They're is only currently th- in a three-way tie it's for eighth place. The eleven through fourteen plays yep. on the first day. The ten doesn't. Correct. Yeah. I was thinking about Mississippi State, but I'm gonna go Texas A&M. Uh, they're. In, it is a bit of a long shot. I understand, but. They have shown that they can compete with some good teams. Lost by 10 to Tennessee, lost by 6 to LSU, lost by 3 to Arkansas, lost by 6 to Kentucky. I know they lost them all, but they just beat the snot out of Alabama. I understand they're the most Jekyll and Hyde team ever. Shout out John Rothstein. But Florida first round, that's a winnable game in my opinion, assuming that they're the 10. And then Arkansas is currently, they have lost one game in the past two months. I could see them getting picked off a little early in the SEC tournament as like a wake-up to the NCAA tournament. Kentucky, they've proven they can compete with. If they had some shots go their way in that game last month, they could have upended them. But I'm not expecting this to happen at all, but I think if anyone from the who's not who's not getting the double bye could pull it off, it would be the Aggies. 
But in the end, the must bus is going through Nashville with an auto, with an auto bid. This year. It's in Tampa. It's in Tampa. Tampa, Florida. The must bus is going through Tampa. Arkansas gets an, gets an auto bid. Me neither. Tampa is such a like, dude. Nashville, don't don't mess with something that's working. I do think Arkansas is the hot team. Mm-hmm. Kentucky. But Arkansas does play Tennessee this weekend though, so their win streak could be snapped. Humbled right before tournament season. We've seen it happen. Uh, yeah, I agree. It'd be good for them. So I think they, that might help them in terms of an SEC championship. I think Auburn wins the tournament. I would say Kentucky, but it's been proven that Cal doesn't really care about this thing. So mm-hmm. um, Cal's favorite thing about the SEC tournament is winning it on that Sunday and then watching the and selection then, show. And then, and then watching yeah. the selection show and then telling the telling people that the the bracket had already been made and that winning winning the SEC championship game didn't impact seeding because the people in Indianapolis are lazy and had already figured out with their minds what they wanted to do. So, like, <laughs> he just likes to complain. and Gotta love Coach Cal. Yeah, but I think Auburn, they're a team that I think they, when it comes down to a conference tournament, I don't know, I don't think it's the same in an NCAA tournament, but I hate to use the term because I really don't like this in sports, but I think they want it more than the other teams. No, I agree. And so in a conference tournament, I think that stuff matters because you play these teams throughout the year, so you match up with them. I think in the NCAA tournament, it doesn't always matter who wants it more. The better team, you know, whoever. Matchups matter yeah, more. Yeah, matchups matter more, I think, than just sheer will. But I think Auburn is going to – Auburn is my pick to win this one. They certainly have more motivation, and also this is just like one of the best teams in program history, so there's there's the pride factor in that sense. I would say – I'm going to just say Arkansas, even though I think, I think Kentucky is still the best team in that league. Um – all right, let's quickly do guard your man, and then we'll do scholarships and sanctions and go. Scott, we'll just release, we'll we'll re- release the bracket on Twitter. Yeah, okay. either in the morning or Friday. So I do not have the audio that Peyton has. So Darn. instead, it's going to be I will put a timer, a minute and thirty. It's here on my laptop. Both of you guys can see the timer. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll allow my first. I'll allow my counterpart to go first. All right, I'd love to. <laughs> Riley's gonna gonna make his argument, then Scott's gonna make his argument. I will pick a winner, and then we'll do scholarships and sanctions. And we'll head out of here. It's very late. Agreed. Happy Thursday morning. All right. There have been two NCAA tournaments with advanced metrics on team sheets. Over that time frame, every single team that's top forty in both average quality resume metrics, both average and quality resume metrics, have been in the tournament, and some of them are single-digit seeds. The team that qualifies in that this year that's on the quote-unquote bubble is North Carolina. North Carolina is not a bubble team. Anytime you win 22-plus games in a Power 6 conference, you are not on the bubble. You are firmly in the tournament. Now, I know the argument is, well, they got blown out in in their quad one games. They only have one quad one win, maybe two. Depends on how Michigan plays. In the, in the tournament in March, it doesn't matter how much you win by, how much you lose by. It's win in advance or lose and you're done. I don't think it matters that they lost by 20 because the wins are wins, losses are losses. They played with Purdue, a team at that point, on a neutral floor, was picked by many to win the national championship. They lost that game by nine, and that game might have been the most exciting game in college basketball up to that point. All doing so without their best defender, Leaky Black. 
They have a true ACC Player of the Year candidate in Armando Baycott, who right now would be my pick to win the ACC Player of the Year. He's going to more than likely tie, if not break, the double-double record at North Carolina. And it comes into effect when you are a blue blood and you win this many games and have the resume they do. They're not on the bubble. They're a tournament team. All right. Who would have guessed? A, a pro North Carolina take from Riley on <laughs> his his chance to get a guard your man takeoff. All right, Scott, here you go. And you're underway. If you were a betting man, such as friend of the program Jack Loader, and were looking to cash some major money in on Final Four odds, look no further than the Wisconsin Badgers. This team just won at least a share of the Big Ten regular season title, which we emphasized earlier as a key to success in March. They are 24-5 and on the year with all those losses coming to current tournament teams. They swept Purdue and Indiana, went on the road to beat Houston without Mark, with Marcus Sasser, and beat St. Mary's on the road who just beat Gonzaga. They have won their last five games, all coming against four tournament-caliber teams. They have a net rating of 20, higher than Arkansas, a top 40 offensive efficiency rating, and top 25 defensive efficiency rating, according to Ken Palm. The luck rating may be high. However, they face the third-best opponent offensive efficiency rate in the country and 23rd-best defensive rate and still get it done in one of the toughest conferences in the country. Greg Gard has gotten this program to the Sweet 16 not once but twice as a 7 and an 8 seed respectively. And if Nigel Hayes could play full-court defense and Bronson Koenig had handles, he would have made the Elite 8 both times. He led the Badgers to a share of the conference title in 2020 and has made the tournament all but once in his tenure. He's done more with less before. And now he is the best offensive player in the country in Johnny Davis, who is the front runner as of now for Endpoint, averaging 20 points a night, 8 boards while shooting 45% from the field. He has the ability to take this team on his back and right now with Wisconsin facing plus 1,200 odds on DraftKings, the 17th best, as a potential two-seed in the tournament. That's a stock that corporate is investing in come Selection Sunday. I suggest you do, too. All right. Well thought out takes by both of you. Well researched. Uh, Lots going on there. I will say this. I think that uh, I think that what Riley was arguing is currently more trendy because people are the the Syracuse game on Monday night had had people talking because that that game would have been that was smart because so the computers were happy they won in overtime by more than they would have won in regulation. They were doing the right thing there by letting Joe Girard hit that hit that fade. Spin away. zone. I like the spin zone as well. Scott's take is not only just that Wisconsin is better than people think, but I like the I like the all encompassing an- angle of Greg Gard being much better than people people take him for granted. The silent assassin. Um and if the 2020, I don't know necessarily what the 2020 team would have done, but the fact that that 2020 team won the Big Ten is, was wild as well. Um, so I will say this: I don't know necessarily who I think had the more correct take, but I think I'm gonna go with Scott because he didn't just rely on the North Carolina crutch. <laughs> So if I said something about UConn, would you have gone with yeah, Riley? Yeah, if, if it had been just UConn versus North Carolina, it probably would have been whose who's argument I agreed with more. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, both of you guys made compelling arguments. Both of you guys made cases that I 
would I would I actually agree with Riley's take more. Like I think North Carolina is a tournament team. I don't think Wisconsin's a Final Four team. But you argued your point well enough that you sold me. On. I'm not necessarily arguing that Wisconsin is a Final Four team. I'm saying with the odds that they're given. It's a it's good very, bet. Yeah, it's value. And, and it's a much better bet. Than well, probably. that's fair because Scott got an hour and a half to form his. I had 20 minutes after watching. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is Whose that? Fault is Agreed. That? I went to watch the future of college basketball tonight. <laughs> so. Who's that? Fill the, fill the people in. Um, well, Dylan Anderson for Perry is an Arizona commit. I'm here to tell you, ASU fans, we got nothing to worry about. He <laughs> is not good. That's my it's my overline take. They had a freshman though. I I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name, but Perry has a freshman who is offered right now by I think four or five Power Five programs. Kansas is one of them, and he is really good. And Bobby Hurley needs to do everything he can to keep him in the state of Arizona and not in Tucson. All right, let's do scholarships and sanctions, and let's get out of here before the vacuum cleaner gets in. In 320. All right. Uh, my sanction this week, no surprise here, is for Duke. And I saw that, like, the cheapest ticket into Camden Indoor this weekend is, like, $3,000. What? And the most expensive one's at $75,000. And to I me— saw f- I saw upwards of eight k as the lowest ticket. Okay. So even if it more was, so. I think I would that's underst- just a I little w- ridiculous. I would understand that if Carolina was, like, you know, like top ten. I don't think it has anything. It's nothing. It's just Coach K's last game. Yeah, but but I don't know. I've always been a fan of. I understand they want to make money, but I've always just been a fan of they should make it still. I get the the top tier isn't so much I have a problem with. If you want to pay eighty thousand dollars to sit courtside, go ahead. (laughs) There should be tickets that are affordable enough for a diehard college basketball fan to go watch Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor. That's just. What I Riley's think. anti-capitalism. I also <laughs> I would also like to get, but it's, uh, the sanction along with that goes with Duke being so great, Cameron Indoor, this, all that. Well, if it could hold more people than it does, you wouldn't have to pay so much to get a ticket. If this is being played at the Dean Dome, it holds twenty thousand people or however much it does, twelve thousand maybe. I don't know the exact it, numbers, it's, but it's let's, let's stats look it up for me. Yeah, stats and research team, but. <laughs> My point is, that's my. I obviously don't like Cameron Indoor because I do not like Duke. I don't say I don't like it. I just don't. I the Dean Dome holds twenty one thousand seven fifty. Perfect. So I was right with my first one. So I don't know. I'm just like I. I've always thought like, oh, Cameron Indoor is great, but like, it can't hold that much for a big event like this. That's my sanction. I don't have a scholarship. Actually, scholarship to Peyton's. Charleston Southern Buccaneers on the tip and buzzer beater. First mm-hmm. first March buzzer beater of the year. Yep. Scott. Right. I'm gonna sanction my own coach, Dan Hurley, for getting outcoached by Greg McDermott for the fifth time in a year and a half. It's pathetic. UConn cannot beat Creighton without Ryan Nemhard. It's not hard. I don't understand it. Running an inbounds play for an Andre Jackson three with fifty seconds left in the game, like it, it baffles me. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about my own team right now. But scholarship, the Gregorian calendar, because it is March. Okay. Uh, I would say scholarship for planning ahead. Um, Jim Beheim was on ESPN Syracuse today. ESPN Radio in Syracuse. Uh, said that there is a 
there's a plan in place for when he wants to step down. He also said that he doesn't want to leave after this year. Um, I've said that he, no one wants to play daddy ball. And Syracuse is playing a lot of daddy ball right now with Jimmy and, and uh, Buddy Beheim right now. But uh, Syracuse can get better. Uh, sanction as well is to the two-hour-long college game day show. Peyton, Peyton made the point that I'm butthurt and whatever. We will – we for the TikTok editor in this room, uh, we will be making a TikTok of everyone's favorite Coach K moment, um, and it will be trolling. We will be trolling. We will be trolling Good. hardcore. It will be the Dylan Brooks handshake. It will be Grayson Allen having the ball roll in and out and in and out against Kansas in the Elite Eight. Um, it's going to be fun stuff. I was it'll watching. be him crying. It'll be him laying on the floor with his bad back. It'll be the Mercer dude, dude hitting the Dougie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love that clip. It'll be uh, him yelling uh, at, at the camera crazies. He's one of us for Jeff Capel and all that kind of stuff. So good stuff. As we wind down I don't have the I don't have neck I don't know where Peyton plays that from wonderful stuff this is a good way to go out I think this is better it's March now we're done with we're done with that this is yeah, the new Peyton take notes this is our outro song for the next month next week I will be in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament if ASU loses on Wednesday morning and noon I'll be back by the episode if they don't Cape Sports call online. I will either be calling in or I'll be hanging out at a sports book in Las Vegas on Wednesday night. So <laughs> I'll be home. I won't be here, so I'll call in. The, I'm the only stalwart these next two weeks. Consistency. <laughs> All right. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us at the Bill Austin Radio Studio. For Riley Swenson and Scott Sanduli, I'm Gabe Swartz. We'll see you next time on Heat Check. Time is short and the road